Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Hello and welcome to Marriage Helper Live. I'm Dr. Joe Beam. Sorry that we're not doing this by video this time, but for those who are actually participating via YouTube or Facebook Live, you'll see graphics up on the screen. And for those of you who are just talking to us or trying to communicate to us or listening to us, whatever the case may be by Block Talk Radio, of course, it is as it always is, and you can listen on your phone. If when you call, you wish to speak to me, then when you hear the answer, press the number one, and that puts you in the queue so that you can be screened so that hopefully we can get you on the air with us to try to answer your question and interact with you if at all possible. The telephone number here is... 657-383-0812. That's 657-383-0812. If you call that number, again, you can just listen, or, or if you hear that answer, as soon as it answer, press the number one to put you in the queue. You know, this coronavirus thing, COVID, is what they're calling it now, COVID-19, actually has an interesting effect and impact on marriages. I remember a couple several years ago where he had left his wife the second time and it seemed that there would be no hope to try to salvage the marriage. I mean, friends had done everything they could to try to intervene and to help, but he seemed that he was just going to go his own way and got involved with another woman and was going to leave his wife to be with her forevermore. Interestingly, his wife about that time got sick. She went up in the hospital because the physicians could not figure out what was wrong with her. They knew it was serious enough. She needed to be in the hospital, but they couldn't figure out exactly what it was. Therefore, they didn't know quite how to treat it. He heard she was in the hospital, and he came to her bedside and did not leave. I mean, I think he went out to uh, get a bite to eat or thing like that, but you understand. He stayed with her and, and at some point during that realized that he loved her and that he wanted to be with the rest of his life ended the other relationship from the hospital and committed to her. He'd be with her from this point on. And a fascinating thing occurred. She started to get well. Now, the doctors to this day still don't know what was wrong with her. It certainly wasn't psychosomatic. I mean, it was enough that it was life-threatening. But it's kind of interesting that in that particular case, the crisis actually brought them closer together. I'm thinking that's a possibility that might happen and hopefully will happen with some of the marriages in trouble that are in America and around the world today. That, because of the crisis, the fact that you realize, you know, we're mortal. Life doesn't last forever. We will at some point finally leave this body and leave this planet. That that might well, if there's a, a hint of love somewhere deep in there, that might well be a factor that will push people to Together rather than apart. And in that sense, this crisis, which is terrible, this pandemic that's got America and the whole world in a mess, can actually wind up being a good thing for your marriage. 
Now, understand, I cannot guarantee that because for some people, it's going to be just the opposite. It's like, oh, my goodness, there's enough stress and pressure in life already. Now I'm worried about all of this. And rather than coming closer to each other, they'll actually become more alienated and drift further apart because they become so consumed about their own mortality. Not the combined mortality of the husband and wife, not that I love you and don't want to lose you, but oh my goodness, what if I were to die? And so some people will actually become more selfish, unfortunately, focus more on their own thinking about what might make me happy. And rather than thinking long term, which is the mature way to think, they'll be thinking more short term. You know, I might die tomorrow. Let me do whatever the heck I want to do right now to enjoy it. Whatever I can. You only go around once in life. Do it with all the gusto you can. What a terrible, terrible motto. And I realize, I realize it's a well-used motto and made the company millions upon millions of dollars probably. But you should always be thinking 10, 10, 10. How am I going to feel about this decision, this action? How am I going to feel about it in 10 days? How am I going to feel about it in 10 months? And how am I going to feel about it in 10 years? I think Susie Welch was the one who wrote the book about that. So it may be that this crisis will actually bring you closer together. It may be that it could push some further apart, particularly if one or both are being particularly selfish. So what do you do? Here's what you do. First of all, think not only about yourself. I mean, go to the grocery stores and you can see people are thinking about themselves. I've seen photos of people with racks upon racks upon racks of toilet paper and things like that. Like, you know, they couldn't use that up in two or three years and yet they're taking it out. Now, I admit some of them may be taking it for like a nursing home or maybe taking it for all their elderly neighbors. I realize that you can't necessarily know why they're taking it just by watching or seeing the picture. But I'll guarantee you there's enough of it going on that there are people who are hoarding who are thinking only about themselves and they really don't care about anybody else. And so I read the thing last night where a lady went in and there were only two packages of paper towels left and they were on the top shelf and this guy had just pulled them both down. And he turned and looked at her and said, would you like one? That's the way it should be. Now think about that particularly in your marriage. If you become so self-centered, so self-absorbed, so worried about death, anxiety and angst will drive you nuts. And in addition to that, it's going to make you, in all likelihood, be much more selfish than you even would be normally. And the other person's going to look at you and think, if you're going to be just focusing on you and taking care of you, then I think I'll just focus on me and taking care of me. And so as it should be at all times, but even in this day and time, even with what's going on with this pandemic worldwide right now, I strongly urge you to think about your spouse and your children and not just yourself and to not act selfishly, but as much as possible, act selflessly. Because you, as we've said so many times on all of our programs that we do, you can't control anybody but you. And so if you want the greatest likelihood of your spouse reacting to you in positive manners, then you be the best you you can be, which is not a person that's totally absorbed in himself or herself. Not totally absorbed in, oh, my goodness, am I going to live and die or die? Although, obviously, that's a consideration and you need to think about it. I think you understand my point here. Be reasonable. And this is the time where you can demonstrate the best of who you are. And we've always said that there's a push and pull thing going on here. And the more you practice the principles we talk about, like working on your own 
physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual aspects, which we call pies. And the more you become that warm, safe place, be strong and be calm, the more the other person will likely be drawn to you rather than to something else. So even if your spouse is now becoming even more selfish, even if that's the case, you become the best you you can be and don't let this pandemic throw you from doing that because most everybody's going to live through this. Not all, sadly. It's going to kill a lot of people. But most everybody's going to live through this. What is the success rate? Like Something like 98%? I'm, I, I'll let go of that statistic because I saw it online and who knows how accurate that is. But you have the great likelihood, the great likelihood of surviving. So what do you do now? You become that person that draws your spouse back to you and your children to you. So be as calm as you can, live with faith, and be the best you can be, even if your spouse is becoming more selfish because of this pandemic. And from at least some of you, I hope many of you, you're going to find the spouse wanting to come back because they're now thinking in terms of, what if this were to be the end? I need to be with you. We need to make our family work. So whether they're drawn to you on their own because of this crisis going on or whether they're drawn to you because of the way that you react to this crisis, being the strong and best you that you can be, reasonable, take care of yourself. I'm not saying just throw it all away, but reasonably, then the greater likelihood you have that this actually can help your marriage. And so now let's go to the callers. We're first going to go here to California and talking to, is it, is it pronounced Tara? Is that correct? Tara, are you there? Hello, Hello, Tara. Can you? Can you hear me? Oh, yes, I can barely hear you. Sorry. <laughs> okay, can you uh, possibly hold it up closer to your to your ear and mouth so I can hear better, if you don't mind, please? Yes, I can. Okay, hey, how may I help you? Hi. Um, so I had a question regarding how to go about reconciling. Um, we're we're going, you know, kind of recovering from an affair that happened a year ago on my part. Um, physically, just sexual, um, we were in a good place, not to excuse any of that. He's had a couple of emotional there, so in trying to establish healthier boundaries, um, he's wanting to kind of have friends of his own that are female, um, which I wouldn't mind, but it's been problematic in the past. Um, so then trying to go about um, bringing up these issues, like telling him how I feel, he knows, but he's still kind of doing his own thing. Um, so I feel like in in bringing up the past, it's beneficial to work through it, but it also just kind of creates more arguments and leads to more distance. And I don't know, I'm kind of at a loss. So you're still living together, is that correct? Yes. Okay, and it was his affair or your affair? I, I, you broke up a little there on me. So he's coming out of an affair, is that correct? I had a sexual affair over a year ago. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Um, and he's had um, emotional affairs like every so many years, but he doesn't see it that way. So then I'm telling him, like, it, it is. Okay, and does he you know, know about your sexual affair? He did, He does. I had told him that the guilt and regret mm-hmm. was eating at me, and I I felt like right. I didn't want to And your husband's continue. wanting to make the marriage work, is that correct? Yes. He says that he does, but just yesterday he told me that he loves me but is not in love with me, and then his statements after that are pretty contradictory. Like, since he told me that he is not in love with me, he's been telling me that he loves me more and more now, so I don't know how mm-hmm. 
that makes sense. I don't know. I'm trying to. And how long has it has it been since he found out about the affair since you told him? It's been over a year. I think a year and a half now. Okay, so it's been over a year. If if the best your marriage has ever been was a ten, and the worst your marriage has ever been was a zero, how would you rate it right now on that scale? I don't know. Um, maybe a three, because we're okay. still together, and I feel like we could still work on things. But it's hard when both. Okay. And so he wants to make the marriage work and you want to make the marriage work. You both do. Correct. Mm -hmm. He says he does, but then actions kind of show differently. So he says he does. And then what? I didn't hear what you just said. He says that he wants to reconcile. And I'm also saying that I want to reconcile, but being in agreement in that, but then his actions kind of show otherwise when he's doing things to hurt me in that sense. Okay. Doing what, what specifically is he doing to hurt you? like continuing to to not necessarily rekindle these past flings or emotional affairs, but like he had said that he would block them in order to ensure that he's prioritizing our marriage and making me feel like I'm secure in this and so that we can rebuild. Okay. Um, and in the process of this, all this, uh, has he mm-hmm. said ever verbalized that he forgives you for the affair that you had? I don't recall I know that I had asked, but I don't, I don't remember if he had an answer okay. to that. Okay. All right. When it comes to the process of reconciliation, there are several things that are involved in the process, and it's not something that happens overnight. Now, the fact that you've been a year past the affair, if you had probably known how to do some of the things that need to be done to reconcile, you could be well, well, well beyond where you are right now. I mean, a three after a year, you're still living together, but the question becomes, okay, is that really part of a reconciliation process? So let me speak to reconciliation in general for everybody here for a minute or two, if I may. I often use this illustration. Reconciliation is not like jumping into the deep end of the pool, like, okay, we're all whole hog into this and everything's going to be wonderful and fine. It's more like coming into the shallow end of the pool where you wade in, but you don't wade directly all the way to the deep end. Sometimes it's three steps forward and two steps back, and sometimes a step to the right and then a step to the left and then another step back and then a step forward because it has to do with human beings, which means that it will be at times inconsistent. But that's the way it works. Now, I've given this before on this program. I'm going to do it very, very briefly now to try to help understand or explain some things here, if I may. Kimberly Holmes, our CEO and I, have been intending to put together a series of videos on this to explain it more in detail. The thing that's stopping us right now, what we're going to do it right now, is that most of our workers, as a matter of fact, I think all of our workers are now working from home because of this pandemic. And so therefore we don't have access to our studio and videographer and all the things that we need to do to do this. Now, as soon as, you know, people are allowed to get back to, to at least somewhat normal, then she and I will make this video series about how to reconcile. And we'll go to it in great detail. But right now, let me just give you the brief version. If you hold up your fingers, look at your hand, now look at your thumb, wiggle it, okay, because that's the first thing. The thumb represents making things easy. Now, reconciliation itself is not easy, but use the thumb to remind you of this point. You should do things that put each other at ease. In other words, you don't push to whatever 
you think should happen next unless both of you are comfortable with going there. Well, you know, for example, that if, if there's been an extramarital affair, actually many, almost every situation you can think about, there comes a time when the couple really just needs to talk it out. You know, help me understand why this happened and and help me understand whether I can forgive you or not. Or you know, well, here, let me tell you how would I assure you that's not going to happen again so you can forgive me. And all those kinds of things are involved and important and they should occur. But if you try doing them up front, in all likelihood, rather than pulling you closer together, it's going to push you further apart. Now, are there couples who've just jumped into the deep end and done those things and it worked? Yeah. Yeah, there are. But when it comes to human beings, understand that nearly anything is going to work somewhere, somehow for somebody. <laughs> what we're looking at is what is the most likely to work? What's the one that makes most sense, that's most reasonable to do? And we recommend you keep looking at that thumb and say, okay, we're not going to do anything that puts the other person into a situation where he or she feels pushed. We're going to make it where that we can put each other at ease. Now, that next finger, that index finger, hold that one up and wiggle it. That's the finger that we explore things with. And that's what you're going to do in situations where you are at ease. In other words, not saying, we've got to talk. Come on here. <laughs> that's probably not going to put the other person at ease. But if you're sitting out on the patio or the front porch or the television's off, the, tea, uh, the, uh, t- the cell phones are off, the kids are not running around. In other words, you have some degree of privacy and it's calm where that you both feel relaxed and easy, then explore, but explore gently. It typically does not work well if you explore trying to dig into the deep things right off the bat. You're going to do this gradually. Think about it this way. What if you were a counselor? You're not. And you were trying to understand, even if you think you're a counselor, even if you're qualified to be a counselor, even if you're trained as a counselor, when it comes to your own marriage, you're not going to do it very well in all likelihood because we all, we all are personally biased. That's why we don't, uh, you know, do counseling for our grandmothers because typically we care about them. Now, here's what you're going to do when you start exploring, explore gently the topics where that the other person feels comfortable in responding and where you feel comfortable in having a conversation. And if at any point it gets tense and you think the other person feels pushed and you see them, pulling away from you. You see that they're actually doing it. You can see it by their body language. You can hear it in their tone of voice. You can see it in their eyes and they start pulling away from you. Remember, you can always back up one step. Well, what was that? You go back to the thumb. That's step number one. What's that? Well, let's just put things at ease. And so sometimes if you're exploring and start to talk about the things that you want to talk about and need to talk about, and and you see the other person then start freaking out or, or coming, you know, I've got to stop this. Just say, hey, we can talk more about this some other time. I, I think it's probably making us too uncomfortable. I'm just happy that you're out here on the balcony with me or wherever you might be. I'm happy that you're here with me and happy that we can talk some. And I don't need to push this right now. So thank you for the conversation so far. Maybe sometime we can talk more. You put it back to ease. Now, the explore step is going to be the most important step because there are several things that have to be explored. Understand this. And again, I'm, I'm giving you the very brief version. We're going to have a lot, lot longer and more detail with this when Kimberly and I do the videos in the series. But not only do you explore slowly going from the less threatening carefully over time toward the more threatening things to talk about. In other words, the things that are going to evoke the most emotions and might make one of you or both of you feel defensive then do that so slowly. And did you hear what I said? If it starts getting bad, then you back up. Let's go back to the E situation. Now, when you can explore and you feel that you've actually talked things out, like, you know, do you really love me? 
how about the future? What do you want it to be? I mean, we'll give you on that video of several different things for you to explore and a process to go through to get there. But when it finally gets comfortable enough and when you finally feel like you're actually really talking about it and actually can talk about the things that need to be talked about, like the affair, whether it's been physical or emotional, all those kinds of things, then go to that middle finger, hold it up and wave it around. <laughs> I know that looks bad, but that's the explain figure. Finger. That's the finger with which we Americans, at least, maybe people around the world, explain how you feel. <laughs> so you, you explain from your viewpoint based on what it is that you guys have been talking about. So, for example, if you jump straight from the E step into the explain step, you're not going to know what the other person's thinking or how they're thinking. You're not even going to have a lot of understanding about what you should be talking about. And so you don't jump straight to that. You, you actually ease to that after you explore the things you need to explore. And again, in the videos, we'll explain the things you need to explore. And when you explain, don't, con don't attack the other person. Don't condemn them. You're going to be explaining what you feel. You're going to be explaining what you think. And you're going to be explaining what you want for the future. And so will the other person. And whatever that is, you're not going to make it unreasonable. You're not going to make it impossible. One lady I ran into in California years ago said, I, I, this cannot work unless he treats me as if I'm a princess. There was a counselor actually doing that session with me. And, and when we went to the break, counselor said, I may need to examine her for narcissistic personality disorder. Because what does she really mean by that? And so when you explain, explain things that can be done, how you feel, what you want, all those kinds of things. Again, they'll be in that detail. And then the next finger, hold up that next finger over there. That's your ring finger. That's where you actually engage. And that's what you will do. You'll actually then start making commitments to each other. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And then that last little finger down there, your little finger, if you wiggle that around, that's the finger with which we excel. Cartoon characters, for example, like the Simpsons, don't have that little finger, okay? It's how we excel. We, we are above and beyond. And we'll actually teach you more about that then. But did you hear the general process? The general process here is you go slowly, but you do move. It's not going to be like we just get back together and, and ignore it and think everything's going to be fine in the future. Could that possibly work with some people? Sure it could. But it's not the most likely. Most likely, then, there's still going to be resentment. There's still going to be anger. There's going to be hurt feelings, all those things that had to be dealt with. And so the quick process is first to always make it easy. Put people at ease, yourself and, the, and your spouse. You explore gently and explore the things that need to be explored. Explain. It's where that you help to understand each other. Here's how you can understand me. Here's how I can understand you. And it's not just what you have felt, but it's what you want. And, and you actually can talk those things out there. And that's when you finally get to the point of engaging. This is what we will do. Does that conversation all happen in one day? Highly unlikely. Will it all happen in one week? Highly unlikely. It's going to take a period of time to do. But remember, you're wading in from the shallow end of the pool. Three steps forward, two steps back. But you're still making some progress as you go. Now, I realize I explained that very, very quickly. I hope you get the basic idea of it. And as soon as we can get back in the studio, Kimberly and I will make that video series. And then our IT, our videographer, our producer, Jesse, and right now he's wearing a whole lot of hats, will do his best to get that edited as quickly as possible and available to you. And so now we're going to go to Anthony, also out in California. Hi, Anthony. How may I help you? Hi. Uh, good. Thanks for taking my call. You're very welcome. What may I do for um, you today? 
Um, yeah, I was, um, my wife asked for a separation about a month ago and, um, and after a couple weeks, I, I was, I had knew, known also that she was, um, in limerence with another man. Um, mm-hmm. she wouldn't, she wouldn't admit, she didn't ever admitted it, um, in the beginning of the separation, but, um, then I had found out about the two of them. Um, about two weeks ago, and so then I can actually I I confronted her about it, and I was deeply upset about how I found out about it. Um, and so I had I had said something to her that um, now she says that she can never get over, and so we have um, guardianship over my nephew, so he's like our son, and so I had told her you know if she keeps this up with him that I was going to leave with my nephew. Um, and, and, and what did you hope so, to accomplish by that? I have no idea, honestly. Um, as soon as I talked to her about it that night, um, I fully regretted it because mm-hmm. because there was nothing, you know, it was, I'm not an angry person, and that was the most angry I've ever been, and I, my anger actually took over. Um, okay. And okay, so you realize so that. It, okay, so you see how unwise it was. I see. So, where what is it that I can do for you today, my friend? Um, so since then, um, we've you know we've been talking and trying to. She's been trying to just. She's been telling me she wants to you know work on being able to like me like as a friend because she says right now like with her feelings she doesn't have any like. The, from what I said, she just can't see mm-hmm. me how I used to be. Um, but at the same time, she's still seeing this other man and, um, and well, they work together, so they don't go on dates or anything, but after work they go, you know, they hang out and stuff cause she works late. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then she still comes home, but she still wants to do things with me and my, you know, and our nephew. Um, mm-hmm. and so like, we still hang out. We went to, you know, like last night we went to dinner and so she's, you know, says that she's trying to work that she's trying, but she's not necessarily trying for the marriage. And so what is it that I can help you with? I don't know what, if, what I should and shouldn't do or with things um, as far as like, um, I guess, you know, like the living situation. I don't know if, you know, if living in the same house that with this, with that helps with you know trying to work things out uh, mm-hmm. for our marriage even though she's still you know talking to another man um, do you know that she's talking just, to him other than at work yeah so they'll they'll you know they text and we'll call each other once in a while she won't she won't if I'm around her she won't call or text him um, just out of respect um, but, but I you know, know for a fact you know, that she's I'm actually not, talking to him outside of work Yes. Yeah. We've talked like we've, she's, we've become, you know, trying to get open about it and stuff. Um, okay. And so, all right. And so, so here's what I'm hearing so far. You're still living in the same house. And is your specific yeah. question that whether or not you should stay in the same house? Is that your question? Yeah. I didn't know if I should, you know, if, if I should leave, um, you know, cause she's talked about trying to, you know, about staying in the same house and doing that, you know, especially with our nephew and, um, and, but I don't know if I should, because it's, I don't know if that's going to help either of us, you know, if she's mm-hmm. still 
talking to another man, but living with me, it's mm-hmm. kind of like she still gets, you know, the best of both worlds almost. Yeah, we actually have a name for that. We we, uh, we call that the valley. The valley is when a person is in a situation, and the valley usually involves another person. And the valley is when a person is in a situation where that they don't feel like they have to make a decision one way or the other. Or as you just said, sometimes it can be viewed as having the, quote, best of both worlds, end quote. And so in the valley, in a situation like you, she's living in your house, so you're still having some interaction with her. She's still doing some things with you and your nephew. That's like a son to the two of you. But she's also not just seeing this guy at work, because of what I'm hearing you say, not just seeing this guy at work, but they're having some communication, although she respects you enough that she doesn't do it in front of you. This would be almost a classic situation of the valley. Okay. Now, I'm happy that you, Anthony, see the lack of wisdom in making an ultimatum. Like, if you keep doing this, you know, you're not going to be around me. You're not going to be around the kid. Now, you can do that. You certainly can. But what we recommend is this. If you're going to make an ultimatum, be ready to fulfill it. We always tell people, don't threaten divorce. Unless you're ready to do a divorce, don't threaten separation unless you're ready to do that separation. Because if you threaten those things, you put the idea in the other person's head, well, okay, maybe it is better if we just separate. Okay, maybe it is better if we just wind up divorcing. And there's interesting research out there that indicates that just the very fact of discussing that between the two of you actually weakens the possibility of salvaging the relationship. And so I'm glad you saw the wisdom of, okay, that was done in anger. I shouldn't do that again. Now, when it comes to the valley, here's this other person, you know, here's your wife involved with the other person, at least to some degree, also involved with you, at least to some degree. We know it's always your decision and tell you that it must always, always be your decision. But here's the suggestion we have for you. If progress is being made, then sometimes it's actually to your advantage to allow the valley to continue. If progress is being made with you. Now, if there's no progress being made with you, or even worse than that, things are continuing to deteriorate and degrade with you, then the question becomes, well, then why would you tolerate the valley? You see, if you're going to tolerate it, you need to tolerate it for a specific reason. This is something that I might gain from it. And so if you're actually talking to each other, if you're actually communicating, if you're making some progress toward developing friendship with each other again, and by the way, she's not altogether wrong. That's a good place to start is to redevelop that friendship. That, that, it, that should be the basis of all good marriages anyway, that you really are friends. And so if you can tolerate that and progress is actually being made, then we recommend that, you know, it might be to your advantage to let the value continue for a little while without making any kind of an ultimatum. Now, you might be then saying, okay, so when do I end it? <laughs> when do I say that's it? Not going to happen anymore. I'm not putting up with this anymore. Well, our suggestion, and again, it's always your decision. You can do what you want to do, what you need to do anytime you do it. Hey, I don't make those decisions for you. Nobody on our team at Marriage Helper makes those decisions for you. It has to be your decision. But here's the suggestion, the recommendation that we make. If, if damage is being done to you physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, I don't mean just pain. Obviously, this hurt. And so I'm not talking about just hurt. I'm talking about there's actually damage so that physically, for example, you're beginning to have health problems. Uh, you, you can't sleep. You, know, you, you find it hard to, to function or you're getting sick. 
then we call that damage intellectually. If you can't think enough to keep your job, if you can't keep your mind focused enough to function in life, emotionally, if you find yourself in deep depression, if you find yourself um, constantly having panic attacks, whatever it might be, then, then that's doing damage spiritually. Now, this has to do with your beliefs and values. If, if this is leading you to make decisions that are in contradiction to your own belief in value system, so you're doing things you didn't do before. Like, for example, let's say that you always, um, if you drank at all, you drank responsibly, but now you find yourself drinking a bottle of wine a night, or you empty a side check Daniel's bottle pretty fast. Notice I didn't say Jim Beam. If you do that, then it's causing damage to you. And if there's damage being done to you, or damage done to the children. Now, in this particular case, that would be your nephew because he is, in essence, the child. If there's damage being done to you or damage being done to the children in any of those areas, physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, what we call the pies, then sometimes you have to make a decision. I know that this might actually lead her to move further away from me and closer to the other person, but I have to stop the damage. Also, the third person to be involved in examining the damage is her. If indeed she, if indeed she is becoming damaged physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, sometimes you have to pull the plug on the valley. Now, when you pull the plug on the valley, here's what you do. You have to set up some stops. That's safeguards that offer protection. That's what stop stands for. Sometimes also a core. That's a continuing relationship essential. And when you do those things, what you're saying is stops mean this can't happen anymore. And if it does then this is going to be the consequence. Or it might be, this is what uh, must happen. And if it does happen, here's the good things that occur. And if it, it doesn't happen, here are the bad things that are going to occur. If you want to know more about those, go to Blog Talk Radio. Actually, go to our website. Go to marriagehelper.com. That's marriagehelper.com, marriagehelper.com. And in there, look for the definitive guide to boundaries. It's a podcast I did a couple of years ago. It's an hour and 15 minutes long. So it's much, much more in detail than I can give here. And back then I didn't call them stops and cores. I, I actually called them boundaries and those kinds of things. But if you go back and look at it, if you go back and, and, and listen to that hour and 15 minute, it'll tell you more about how to do those things. If indeed, if indeed it's time to act. Now, you can learn more about the Valley by going to our YouTube channel. If you go to youtube.com slash marriage helper, all one word, marriage helper, you are marriage helper. We have hundreds and hundreds of videos there on all kinds of topics, and you can look for the Valley. Or if you want to know more about what resources we have, you can call our office. And you can call our office at 615-472-1161. That's 615-472-1161. There's also uh, a toll-free number. Let's see if I can get it right. It's uh, 866-903-0990. That's 866-903-0990. I hope I said that correctly. I don't have it in front of me here. But I know the 615-472-1161 number works. And you can ask to speak to a client representative we have who can help you know what products we have, what resources, I should say, rather than products, what resources we have that might be of assistance to you in making these decisions. Now, I need to make an apology. Because of this uh, social distancing from the pandemic, all of our people are working from home. And so I'm in my home studio, which is usually very quiet. 
I can hear just outside <laughs> that the yard people have shown up and they are doing their yard work right as I'm doing this program. So if you hear buzzing in the background, if you hear motors in the background, all those kinds of things, I am so terribly sorry. There's nothing I can do about that I, unless I just end the program, go outside and tell them to leave. Well, obviously I do that. The program is over anyway, so I guess we'll just have to put up with it as best we can. I apologize. I had no idea they were going to show up this time of day right when I'm trying to do this program. So uh, I'll do the best to overcome as I can. Okay, now I've got to go to Washington. I'm going to talk to Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa. How may I help you today? Are you there? Hello, Hello, are you there? I, yes, I can I'm hear you a I'm little here. bit now. Are you on a speakerphone or something? No, no, Vanessa? I'm not on a speakerphone. Vanessa, yes, I'm here. Are you on a speakerphone? Uh, can you can you hold the phone closer, please? Yes, I have it close to me now. Can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, sorry, I had to step outside. Hi. Uh, anyway, thank you for taking my call. I listen to hours and hours of your of your um all of your podcasts and um so anyway um my story is um I've been with my husband for 20 years married for uh, almost 13 um back in May I found out that he was having an affair and um so, oh gosh. Um, now, well, now it's nine months later, and um, this is not the first time it's happened. Um, it's happened before, and I'm, I'm just trying to do the right thing. Now, it felt good to be heard by this other person, and that he, uh, the reason he claims the reason why he has had other, you know, affairs throughout our relationship and marriage. It's because he felt rejected by me over the years. And and I I do agree with the fact that um, I was a bit controlling because I didn't want to get hurt again and um, also dominating. And even though I said I forgave him for what he had done, I still... Um, occasionally throw things in his face over the years. Okay. Vanessa, if I I may, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm having trouble hearing you still, okay? And so forgive me for that. I I didn't get all that information. We're uh, apparently having some trouble with the phone connection from there. So what is it I can do for you today? How may I help you? Okay. So, um, well, the thing is – things are still feeling kind of weird and um, which I understand happens after her, but uh, okay, Vanessa, I'm so sorry. I cannot, I cannot hear you. I apologize profusely. I really do, but I just can't hear you. You're breaking up really badly. Can you try the questions? If you say this succinctly as you can, what may I do for you today? Okay. Would you recommend continuing to have um, sex or be intimate um, if it's still not feeling like there's an emotional connection. And also my other question was, um, is, is it possible for both 
spouse, both spouses to rewrite history. Like, it just feels like I don't even remember what we were like. Okay, I'm sorry. Apparently, I lost her in that process. Okay, Vanessa, I think I heard the two questions. Let me answer them as best I can. And again, I apologize for the noise in the background. I really do. Nothing I can do about that. That yard workers are out there outside my home studio. Number one is, should you still have sex? Actually, I, I did an article about that. If you go to marriagehelper.com, you can find that there. And actually, I give you the pros and cons of having sex with a spouse who is in actually that particular article is about whether if you're separated, should you be having sex with them? And I give you the pros for it and I give you the cons for it. Also, if you go to youtube.com slash marriagehelper, you'll find that I there also did a couple of videos about it. And if you go to those videos about it, then you can you can understand some more about that there. The second part of the question is, can you uh, both, is it possible that both people will rewrite history? And the answer is yes, definitely possible. <sighs> Folks, I am so sorry because of all the technical glitches we're having here today. I cannot hear people. The yard workers are still outside. I realize that we would typically be in this program for at least another 20 minutes, but because of the difficulty, I'm... I'm going to have to call it. We will figure out a way to do it better next Monday. This is all because of the pandemic, because of having to do this from a home studio rather than a regular studio and all those other kind of things. But And we're having to kind of uh, do things in a hurry, <laughs> make decisions in a hurry. But but we will have something better figured out by next Monday. I'm so sorry that this program isn't being what it should be and all the noises and the imperfections and the difficulties in hearing. Until next Monday, Dr. Joe Bean wishing the best for you.